Hello, everyone. This is Speaking Up with Andrew Pledger. I am a religion recovery coach who helps people with life after religion. And this podcast allows people to share their stories of abuse and religious trauma in various religions and cults. Some guests come on the show to discuss specific topics to educate and bring awareness. Discussions will range from purity culture, mental health, religious trauma, Christian culture, deconstruction, spirituality, and much more. Now, let's get into this episode of Speaking Up with Andrew Pledger. Hello, everyone. This is Speaking Up with Andrew Pledger, and I am here with Asami Dane. She is a child sexual assault survivor and a human trafficking survivor. She was raised by an abusive father who was a pastor and later become a scam artist. She later, she left the IFB to go to a healthier form of Christianity. And now she is a speaker bringing awareness to sexual abuse and trafficking. How are you today, Asami? Good. I'm just really thankful to be on your show. And I'm really glad that you invited me here. So thank you so much. Oh, uh, yes. Thank you so much um, for coming on. And like, as I was saying earlier, I just, I love it when I see people who are vocal about their story online. And that's really what I look for. And that's how I get guests. I'm like, who is vocal about their story? Because I know everyone is at a different place in their journeys right. and not everyone wants to share their story or is ready to share their mm -hmm. story. And so I try to always look for people who are at that point where they're already sharing it um, and they're ready. And I saw that um, and you, and I think, you know, speaking of <laughs> the name of the show, speaking of, it's just such a, it's just, that's really why I called the show that because trying to get people to speak up mm. about religious abuse, religious trauma, cultic abuse, yeah. or just abuse in general and these religious contexts and how it's covered up and how we can work through these different issues. And, you know, to me, like the more people that can speak up, the more people, the more likely change will happen because, you know, yeah. we can look back in history and think about all the people who, you know, one by one and finally collectively then got together and used their voices to make change. And I feel like online that's really happening a lot with people finally Basically, you know, a lot of people, when they get excommunicated, which is really what yeah. happened to me, I was expelled mm -hmm. from Bob Jones, like I said earlier, which then again, I was expelled to begin with for sharing my story anyways. But yeah. then once I was, you know, once you're free from that toxic cultic environment, yeah. you're like, wow, I can actually truly use my voice now without mm -hmm. fear because I'm not yeah. in control of these people anymore. Right. I'm not in this environment. And I know that, you know, your story um it is very tragic very sad but just to see you come out with just light and love at the other end and using it to bring awareness and to actually help people like it's just so inspiring to Thank me you. oh yeah of course and so you know this story or sorry this podcast is about getting into the their the personal story and then really how that influences who they are today and the work um that they're doing and so, you know, for the first question of the interview, I'm just curious, what was your um, childhood like regarding religion, church, and home life? And I know it's a lot. Um, mm, so, yeah. oh my gosh. Yeah. So, 
start wherever you want. Am I supposed to be laughing? Probably not. Um, But that is how a lot of us cope through trauma, right? Honestly, yes. We laugh a lot. (laughs) We we end up with a lot of dark senses of humor. Yes, we do. Uh, (laughs) uh, Dank memes are my thing. I love that. Um, my home growing up was not a safe place for children in any, any way whatsoever. Um, you know, growing up, I, I was in a pastor slash missionaries home. I grew up in Japan. I was there until I was 17 years old. Um, I was actually born a Japanese citizen. And then within the first few weeks of my birth, my parents got my dual citizenship. My mom is from the U S and so you can, you can do that over there. So that's how I was raised. Um, but home life was just not solid at all. There was no consistency, whether it was in my parents' style of their parenting. And, you know, not no parents are perfect. I am not a parent myself, so I don't even feel right many times pointing those fingers or making those judgments. But, you know, there were there were many times that we as children were put in harm's way and a lot of it was on purpose. And, you know, a lot of that has to do with uh, the way they were earning money. And um, so when if, if people aren't familiar, when missionaries are sent from the United States, so even though my dad was from Japan, he was part of a mission board in the United States. And when missionaries are sent overseas, a lot of times it's a collective effort of churches from that specific country that they're being sent from, sending them a contribution that then goes to that sending organization or church. And then either things get removed like taxes or or they're supposed to, sometimes they're not, uh, taxes or someone's salary or percentage, and then it goes to the missionary. So that's the type of income my parents earned. And even though there was abuse, as long as I can remember, um, it was physical most of the Mm. time. A lot of times it was verbal. they had somewhat of a ministry and anyone listening to this on audio, I'm putting this in major air quotes because yeah. there, mm-hmm. there was a lot of abuse, spiritual mm-hmm. abuse going on there uh, with people that were attending those church environments. Um, and that was actually primarily the reason people left. Uh, we were renting a building from the time I was about eight years old until I was 13 um, from a military church that was very close to where we lived. We were renting that building. Um, so my dad used that facility in the afternoon and that was our church and people would come to worship or, or, you know, do what they did. Um, that is also where I met my sexual abuser. Um, they were the pianist uh, at that time. And so my dad got in a huge fight with the pastor that, um, was overseeing the, the, the church that, you know, had the building to begin yeah. with, they were subleasing it to us, but, um, he, he had a fight with the military pastor there and, uh, we ended up leaving and then went to another rental building. Most of the people left after that. And my abuser stuck around for almost a year after we left, uh, the building. So mm. they were, they were still yeah. part of that. Um, and they ended up leaving when I was almost 14 because the person uh, wanted to be in leadership and there was a conflict with my dad and they got into a fight mm-hmm. and then they left. So they never um, left because things came forward. Yeah. Out. Mm. So um, they left and then the last family to stick around stayed until I was almost 15, but they left 
because uh, it was a single mom and her two children. She wanted to get married. And of course, my parents were against it. And um, they respectfully parted ways. Um, her husband or soon to be husband did not speak um, Japanese. So mm -hmm. it didn't make sense for him to stick around anyway. Um, and of course, there was we didn't even go to their wedding because that's how against it my parents were. It was, it was mm -hmm. really sad that that's yeah. what they chose to do. Wow. Um, but at that point, there was pretty much no one coming to this church. We had stopped renting all buildings altogether. So we were meeting in our apartment when she was still with us. Then she left and then we continued to meet in our apartment. And then by the time I was 16, we moved into my grandmother's old house and there was there was nobody attending this church um so about from the time i was 15 my parents fully became scam artists and churches in america were mm. convinced that there was some sort of ministry going on and there was nothing mm. so that's the environment i grew up wow in. Yeah. and so was it always like that were they always scam artists or did it something like i'm just curious a great question i think it was a gradual thing you know I, okay yeah and, and when i was really young and i'm talking like maybe six and seven years old i did see them do community events for kids so mm -hmm. um you know summertime is very short in japan there are summer breaks are very different from the states um and so during that short break time parents are still working and so we had kind of like a similar to vacation bible school i guess where the kids could attend and they would um you know make crafts and cook and do things like that we usually do it out of a rental building and they seem to be having a good time um so there was that but I think as they gradually progressed into renting that building from the, the military church, things started to get shadier and shadier and shadier. Um, like there were there were small, little small dishonesties on my mom's prayer letters. And I think it just snowballed and became what it is now. Um, and, you know, it, it's sad to think of it that way. But I think when people go that direction, a lot of it has to do with that part of them was always there to begin with you know it mm. was whether it was the abuse at home that yeah part of mm. of not wanting to be a good human being really yeah. was mm -hmm. already there and wow. you know that progressed into a lack of accountability and then all this other stuff and from what i understand um and i wasn't living with them at this point from the time i was about 20 two to maybe 23 or 24 there were supposedly some people attending their church and i wasn't there for any of these meetings i had met one of the people who's who said they attended um so that's that's how i understand this but they also ended up leaving too um due to some spiritual abuse reasons i didn't hear the story from those people mm -hmm. themselves yeah. Um, my parents gave their reason as to why these people left. And I was like, yeah, that's, that's not okay. That's spiritual abuse. Um, mm. So there was, there was one younger guy, he uh, was in high school and uh, he was taking care of his mom. Uh, she was disabled. And there was a question that he asked my dad. My, my dad is the one telling me this story. This is how I know. I didn't hear it from the young man. Like I, I don't remember mm -hmm. the side of the story. Yeah. 
but he said um, that he came to him and said, hey, pastor, um, my mother is disabled. I am on government assistance and insurance. I am afraid if I take on more than a part-time job, I will lose all those benefits. And my mom will have nothing and I will lose that extra income that's coming every month. What is the least amount or most amount that I can work where I can keep those benefits yet enter society and have somewhat of a job? What can I do? And ironically, my father was the one who told him, you're lazy and you're trying to trip the system. Um, oh, wow. You shouldn't be doing that. Shame on you. Um, wow. I mean, they never went to see if he was okay. Like he was trying to take awful. care of his mother. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. He was trying to do the right thing. And yeah. you know, his, his heart was in the right place from what I understand, but you know, that's, and he, he looked at my dad like a father figure. He didn't have a dad, oh, you know, no. and it broke my heart when I heard that story. Mm -hmm. Um, the other was of a family. The wife was from a Korean Pentecostal church and had a question about, oh, what does it, is it, does your family speak in tongues? What does this mean to you guys? And uh, they told her, no, it's bad, it's wrong. And, you know, I think it's okay to have various opinions on that respectfully, mm -hmm. but they were very unkind about it. And she left um, with her family. And after they left, my, my dad then told me no more Koreans were allowed at their, their church. Oh, wow. So, um, you know, that's spiritual abuse. That's racism. It's wrong. Yeah, that is. So, um, these are, these are the last people mm. that were there as far as I'm aware. Um, but yeah, that's, that's how it kind of started from probably just that abuse at home and dishonesty all uh, the way up to what it, yeah. what it is today. Yeah. And then, you know, you, you said they were scam artists. So basically they were getting money from oh, this yeah. board and they weren't doing anything that they were saying that they were doing. Right. So between the time I was 15 until 22 and these people showed up, there was, mm -hmm. there was nobody, none. Wow. Um, so that's a, that's a long time. And as far as I'm aware, um, I've just heard this from people that are still in touch with them. Um, and, and I don't have a relationship with them. Just wanted mm -hmm. to be clear on that as far as i'm aware the the family that that i, I just referenced was the last people there mm -hmm. now they have an english program <laughs> and this is where it gets really fun oh, no. oh man um they have an english program where my my mom teaches english and this i did see because i actually went to their house uh when my dad was sick uh, several years ago this is before we went our separate ways my dad was really sick i went over there and my mom had her english students over and um they use the english bible as a textbook mm -hmm. i think you know where this is going so yeah. we have a bible study now right we have a bible mm -hmm. study wow um and then they'll take photos with these people and they'll send these pictures back to the states and say we had a wonderful bible study the the class is named so it sounds like a bible study group um so if you it this isn't the name of it but if you say if you say you have a faith ladies study mm -hmm. study what right yeah. um study english um so that's how they they phrase these studies mm -hmm. yeah. and so people in the states think that these are bible studies and mm -hmm. you know i i think my mom has put an effort and i don't want to be unkind about this but just so people understand my mom failed out of language school and she never went back uh -huh. and she is the only one holding these conversations with mm. people so 
even if there are reports back from success stories, I, I don't trust it because I, mm. I know how these conversations go. My yeah. dad is not present. Um, he is not involved at all in any of this, except when they have maybe once or twice a year, Easter Christmas meetings, and then you mm-hmm. put them and then there's photos taken. But yeah, oh, that's, the, that's the ministry life there for you. Uh, and so like, <laughs> what would they actually do with their time? What do they do? That's a great question. Um, So when I was growing up, the dad that I had was either on the computer. Yeah, that's about it. He was very absent for the most part. Um, I can remember maybe three conversations that one screen matches with him. Uh. Um. He was very absent. He was home, but he was very absent. Checked out mentally. Yeah. Very checked out. I think a lot of it had to do, you know, with his own trauma and his yeah. own mm. um his own anger that he was he was yeah. working through. There were many times I would walk by our bathroom and he'd just be sitting there staring in the mirror, like yelling at somebody. I don't know who. Huh. Somebody that made him mad a few years ago. Um, it, I think he was having an imaginary scenario mm-hmm. of yeah. whoever that pastor was, that, yeah. that pastor or whoever those people were. They, he was called into a board meeting when we left the, the military church building. So mm-hmm. I'm assuming it was that conversation replaying in his head. Um, and he just never let go of it. And it was, mm. he was consumed, very consumed. And uh, my junior year of high school, I believe. So right after my grandmother passed away, he ended up in a court uh, battle. I don't think this was ever talked about in any of their prayer letters, but um, mm-hmm. he ended up in a court battle between he and his sister um, due wow. to um, inheritance reasons. And mm-hmm. um, so uh, he was he was gone with a lot of that, too. So that those were my last few years with them is him either yelling at himself in the mirror on the computer or. Um, at this court case so mm-hmm. yeah, absent yeah yeah my mom was pretty much checked out too um i genuinely believe she was depressed you know oh, mm-hmm. um she's she's not a good person but my dad was abusive to her too they mm-hmm. were abusive to each other oh wow and mm-hmm. i think you know i think whatever she was dealing with was too much and mm. they didn't believe in mental health at, oh no at all oh um, you know, so I, I feel for them in that sense. Um, and I know some people say like, you know, you shouldn't, they were awful people, but I look back and sometimes, you know, I, I think of how, you know, I've, I've had my own dealings with anger and I think about, you know, maybe these would have been the people I would have become. Mm. I didn't. Wow. That's very sombering yeah. thought. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And like, I think just, it's just incredible that, you have had been able to have that perspective and that compassion. Cause I think for me, um, when I told my story, that's what surprised a lot of people. Cause I tried mm-hmm. to have perspective and understand where my parents yeah. came from and really learning a lot about trauma and mental health really helps me understand because trauma begets trauma. It's a cycle yeah. unless someone stops it. So like with your parents, you know, not that this justifies it at all, but they were both, I'm sure, traumatized people just projecting their issues onto each other, but they weren't, 
they was just they didn't know how to deal with it. And it's yeah. so so sad when I hear these stories of these different religious people who just don't believe in mental health because mm-hmm. you just see the suffering. Yeah. Um, just constantly, and you're sitting there. You're like, you could actually be getting help, but. Yeah. You're hurting everyone around you. Yeah, definitely. so much, hurting so many people because of your issues. Yeah, and it's, um, it's sad because it's like you know, we do have a choice though, right? Because they they made their choice a lot. Yeah, they did. Mm-hmm. And um, it doesn't excuse their behavior. It doesn't, oh no, not at all. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, I say this now, but um, you know, I, this is after years mm-hmm. of therapy and like having come to these conclusions yeah. i think it's okay to have that feeling of being angry toward your abusers oh too, yes mm-hmm. you know um mm-hmm. and like is it okay to, if i swear on your podcast go for it i love okay. it i genuinely don't as much as i can but um you know in on in, like i'm not trying to offend people or be rude mm-hmm. um, yeah. but you know there there were times like in therapy I think, you know, I had a moment where I broke because I was so torn with mm. like, oh, be sweet, be nice. You know, that was what I was taught. That's yes. what a woman was supposed to be. Uh, but I was so angry. Like they took everything from me. They took my whole mm. childhood. They made me believe I was messed up and wrong and be ashamed for even existing. Mm. And then one day I was so angry. This is after a therapy session. And I just started yelling. I was like, oh, and my husband came running into our bedroom. He said, are you okay? What is wrong? What is wrong? What, are, you, are you having panic attack? He was freaking out. And I was like, no, I, I'm okay. I, I'm free. Like, I can be mm-hmm. angry. I can yeah. be Mm, yeah you know, but it wasn't in a way i was taking it out on anyone had like i had done before mm-hmm. um where i had yelled at my husband you know i was like i am angry at what has happened to me and what this person took from me and now i can start to heal and you know mm. it, it, that that was probably maybe three years ago where it was like four years ago or was mm-hmm. five years ago. oh it's yeah. okay to be angry yeah. you know but, you know, it, it's okay to have that and, you know, be upset about things that have happened. And I think that's the scariest thing in Christian culture where they're mm. like, don't let the sun go down upon your wrath. Well, what does that mean? Right. Yeah. Um, versus out of context, you know, oh, don't be angry and sin not. So we can't, mm. we can't express how we feel, you know, oh. and, you know, mm-hmm. that's, it's so messed up when we look mm-hmm. at it that way. Oh, Yes we project this onto most of the time it's survivors. Right. And yeah, it is. Or he's mm-hmm. like, you know, I, I came forward my, I was in a domestic violence situation or I came forward. I was in a, I was abused by my pastor and, and like, Oh no, you're angry. Be quiet. Mm. Um, but it's, I think there's a healthy way to express this, you know, mm-hmm. people need um, to be held accountable and justice things happen. Yes. Yeah, mm. Oh my gosh. And like, I know like, Eric from the Preacher Boys podcast, he regularly uploads different um, controversial sermons in IFB churches across America. (laughs) Yes. And like there are some days I like... I cannot go on his account because I get triggered. I'm like, because it just brings me back. Because, you know, I grew up in the IFB and like I relate so much to what you're saying, how like you're just, it's so toxic, how you're just told to repress your emotions. You're taught that they're evil basically that they're scary and so you don't actually deal with them and it just causes a lot of psychological emotional 
and mental issues. And I think it's just, it's so great that now you have that perspective. It's okay to feel your emotions healthily express them. And like, that's been a wonderful thing for me too, as I left that movement of like, just, wow. Like, cause for me, like the hardest part of dealing with emotions was just the shame that came with that. Yes. Wow. So much shame. Yeah. That was the, not the emotions themselves mm-hmm. necessarily the shame that was just added on top of those emotions. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was like a big eye-opening moment for me. Like Brene Brown really helps me work through that. Yeah. yeah. She's amazing. <laughs> she is really. amazing. Yeah. Um, but then like once I actually dealt with like anger and sadness and you know, there are still days I still struggle with that shame, but like once yeah. there are sometimes I don't have that shame. I'm like, okay, like yeah. this emotion isn't actually terrible. Like, let me actually yeah. journal work through this. Yeah. I can talk to my therapist. And for me, like I've been, there are some days or every once in a while that I just have this totally like mentally, emotionally, I'm just off balance. And I'm like, this is just going to mm-hmm. last a month. Like this is just going to be terrible. But then once I actually take the time to sit and journal and work through everything, 30 minutes later, I'm like normal. I'm like, Oh my gosh, mm. like, wow, that feels <laughs> really yeah. good. Yeah. And, and, and it's hard. Cause I know earlier you were talking earlier about like this negative mindset towards mm. seeking mental health help and like my church was like that too like i was always told just read your bible and pray and you're fine and if that wasn't working for you it's your fault you're a sinner you're not close to god you're not close to jesus enough or you're being punished for your sins or something like that and like my church you know i would even hear in sunday school you know, I was really an anti, I feel like I love these IFB churches are very anti-psychology across the board. Yeah. <laughs> um, very much. And I've even said, I've, I've heard like Sunday school teachers say, oh, like, forget those therapists, forget those psychologists. Like you just need the Bible and all these different things. And I'm like, mm, and as a kid, mm-hmm. I had no knowledge about mental health or psychology in general, but even as a kid, I knew the credentials that a psychologist and therapist had at least somewhat. I'm like, so to hear these people slam that, that was a little red flag that mm-hmm. went up in my mind. Like, how can you completely dismiss everything they do? Yeah. Like to me, I was like, that's so extreme. Yeah. Um, and to me, I'm like, okay, yeah, nobody's perfect. People can make mistakes, but just look at someone's profession and say, no, that's completely false. It's totally right. not legit at all. I'm like, Hmm, that's interesting. And you know, I was very indoctrinated from a young age and I definitely Mm. bought into it. And like, I suffered through so many depressive episodes before actually starting to like seek things outside of that religion, Mm. even though like, it was really sad that the last thing that I was Mm. went to for help was the thing I needed in the very beginning. Mm. Um, Wow. And so that was just really, and like, you know, I had an emotion to deal with that too, that anger and grief around, oh my gosh, I've suffered for all these years when I could have gotten help and you people, prevented me uh, yeah. from getting that help he was talking yeah. it was like it's hard um to deal with them yeah and so you know it's just it's so great when i talk to people and they're like i'm in therapy i'm like yes like i tell everyone i don't like you don't anyone i think everyone should go to therapy oh, um because yeah. i've i've talked to people they're like well they're like i haven't i don't think i've been through trauma and i'm like what? no like <laughs> like, like 
they act like therapy is like you have to be in the most terrible, horrible right. situation. And like I've had people say they're like, oh no, nothing's wrong with me. And I'm like, oh, I'm like, don't man. assume that doesn't mean something's yeah. wrong with you. Yeah. You're going to therapy. Like, you know, mm-hmm. being human is hard. There are circumstances that are hard to deal with. And, you know, we need professional help to work yeah. and heal and be better. Like I always try to talk about yeah. therapy whenever I can because yes, the more stigma that we're moved from. And I feel like, you know, Gen Z and millennials are really good about mental health and bring awareness to that. Cause I think we've seen, we've watched the effects Mm -hmm. of adults who did not get mental health help Mm -hmm. and how that affected other people. And I think, you know, you know, but you know, I'm not going to be a perfect parent. You're not going to be a perfect parent. Mm -hmm. No one is, but I feel like as long as each generation we can keep learning and doing better and i think that's what frustrated me so much about my parents generation is i didn't see Mm. them they just i mean especially like an environment i grew up in i know is very cultic so i guess from Mm. that perspective they just had this very dogmatic black and white uh, especially the mindset that we're right no matter what and we're just going to do things this way and if if it's not working out for you it's your fault right and it's not analyzing the system or holding people accountable whatsoever yeah. and like you know your parents are an, are an example of people not being yeah. held accountable or kept in check at all and then um i know that you are a trafficking survivor yeah. and so were your parents were they your traffickers or yeah wow yeah well my mom so my dad mm. i don't think he knows to this day oh my gosh okay um, he was that absent um for the most part i was wow. terrified of talking to him mm. he had severe severe anger issues um even before we left the barring or renting that church building there um so it was it was hard to talk to him my mom, on the other hand, she would get angry. She was physically abusive, but not as intense as my dad. And so, you know, there's a, there's a lot of things that I have had to work through. And it hasn't even been until the last few years that I've been like, let's call it what it is. Because I think there was so much shame in looking at it logically. Yeah because I wanted to protect my parents. And I think that's instilled in any child, um, whether they come mm-hmm. from a healthy or abusive home. Yeah. Um, but in my situation, you know, it, I, I had this mindset ingrained into me that the parents are always right. And mm, same. Oh. So, yeah. So you, you can, you can never mm. express that your parents might be wrong or they may yeah. be mm-hmm. bad people. And that's oh, a hard mm-hmm. thing to accept. That is hard. I know. Were you ever told this phrase adults are right even when they're wrong were you ever were you told that growing up i i wasn't i was mostly told the one uh where it says children are to be seen not heard or not not to be seen and heard how does it go i forget no it's all good yeah i was just curious i know like that general message of adults always right but for my Mm. parents it was adults are right even when they're wrong Mm. and to me even as a kid that was a red flag but looking back i'm like oh my gosh like i can just see so many kids being abused and then rationalizing that well what they did to me was wrong but it was right because they were an adult like that's such twisted logic it really is it's terrible and so i understand coming from their i guess you would say theological perspective of like obeying authority but 
who is holding authority accountable when authority is bad. Right. That's a lot of issues that we have in these churches across America with these patriarchal systems where the authority is just, we're automatically supposed to assume they're just all good and they don't need any accountability. And I think that's where we're starting to finally realize, okay, no, we need accountability for these people. And so, so then how then I guess, why did you feel like your parents wanted children in general then? Cause it didn't seem like they cared at all. I don't understand because I've always I've always yeah. wondered that about shitty parents. I'm like, oh my mm. gosh, like it makes me so mad. I'm like, why do you make these children suffer and perpetuate that yeah. harm? Yeah, I think I think you know because because I I grew up IFB as well. I think it might be that culture where it's like if you don't have children, you're not bibli- biblically sound. You see where? I'm oh, that's is? right. They're like. Um, but what's that verse? They're like to um... be fruitful and multiply. Yes. <laughs> so mm. I, I think that might have had something to do with it. Um, I don't think they should have been parents. Um, mm. You know, I, I don't yeah. I don't know their reasoning for having kids. I'm assuming that was part of it. Yeah. Um, where they felt the need to have children. Maybe there was a part of them that wanted kids. I mm. don't know. Yeah. Uh, maybe it was you know, as a missionary family, it looked more natural and normal to have children, especially if you're mm-hmm. traveling around with yeah. kids, people mm-hmm. more susceptible to take you on. I don't know if that was part of it, um, but I do know that they were, mm-hmm. they were not good parents. And no, I, I was not adopted. I, um, my, my dad is Japanese. My mom's from the States, so I'm half Japanese. Mm-hmm. Um, I did get, I think, I think maybe this is coming from the citizenship um, oh, we got talked you. about that before. Yeah, oh, okay. So I was born a Japanese citizen, but got okay. later because okay, of my mom. Got you. Yeah. So um, for the U.S. anyway, that's that's how that happened. But um, you know, I I don't really know their reasoning for becoming parents. Um, you know, I'm I'm glad I'm alive, but mm-hmm. yeah. I I don't wish that life on anyone. No. It's, mm-hmm. it's not any no child should ever go through that. You know and there should have been anyone in their right mind mm-hmm. would have noticed all of these signs before mm-hmm. any of the yeah. ever started. In fact, um, my friend, uh, so backtracking, I think we talked about um, the lady with her children that used to mm-hmm. attend. Yeah. So um, my ex piano teacher actually approached the mother to give free piano lessons to the daughter and the mom refused because she immediately noticed something was off. So, oh. I mean, you know, she had enough common sense to know this was not a safe person mm. to be around their child. Yeah. And there were things that my ex piano teacher did that were, that was sexual abuse in front. Mm. Mm. Yeah. You know, I, I don't want to get too graphic with it. Um, but you know, there were, there were things that were being done in front of my mom. Um, and so when I went to her as a child and told her about the more severe things that were happening behind closed doors, there was no way she didn't know at this point. Mm. Um, so I told her, and I said, mom, um, this is what's happening to me. I'm scared. And, you know, I, at this point I, I had to take all the courage I had to tell her because I was scared to tell my mom. I didn't know how she was yeah. going to react. Mm. I was afraid she was going to tell my dad and then my dad would take it out on me. And so I told her 
she never told my dad. Mm. So that wow. that's a red flag there. So she, mm. she knows. Yeah. Um, and so about, I would say almost a month of me pestering my mom. Because uh, at this point, we were having two lessons a week. Mm. That should be a red flag too, you know? Yeah. Child's mm-hmm. not learning anything. They want yeah. anywhere from 45 minutes to an hour and a half with your child alone in closed doors. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, we've got yeah. We've concerns here. Yeah. Um, and so about after a month of me continuing to pester my mom, she said, okay, well, if this is real, I'm going to sit in on a lesson with you. And so she did. Obviously nothing happened. And so she said, don't ever bring this up again. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. So don't stop lying. Don't tell me this ever again. And so that happened for a few more years um, Mm -hmm. until, you know, all that. In between, there was another piano teacher that I went to um, because this person had to pick up a night shift and could no longer teach, Mm -hmm. but they quickly became my piano teacher again once the opportunity rose. So, Uh, yeah, uh, that was a little complicated. Um, But so, you know, revisiting all this stuff, knowing that my dad was giving my mom money should she have actually hired a piano teacher Mm. and then her keeping that and then Mm -hmm. the fact that abuse was happening in front of my mom Mm. your child tells you for almost a month straight this is happening you've seen what this person can do and not behind closed doors Mm -hmm. this person is sexually harassing your other daughter verbally Um. where is the line here like, how do you not know? Um, unless, and, <laughs> unless you're stupid. You, yeah. You know, my mm. mom wasn't stupid. She was very sly and conniving. Mm-hmm. There was yeah. no way she did not know. And that's something that I had to work through in therapy and finally mm. call it what it was. Because yeah. at first I was like, oh, maybe she was confused for almost four years. No. Mm. <laughs> no. that's not a confusion thing that is a deliberate thing yeah and um i had a therapist that really helped me kind of get to that point and you know i i knew that my mom knew i was like okay we, we know that my mom knows you know um mm. but I, I still wasn't comfortable calling it what it was publicly and that hasn't really happened until the last year um where I've mm-hmm. been, you know what i'm tired of defending people yeah and you know, trying to, I mean, it's bad enough if your mom really didn't believe you for anybody out there listening. If that's, mm-hmm. if that is your story, that's awful. Like shame on your parents for not listening. Yeah. To you. That's awful. But the fact that my mom did know, and I'm like, no, we're going to call it what it is. It's human trafficking because there's mm. a third party involved. There's someone using a child for their needs for a good service or payment. Mm-hmm. This is the legal description. I, I have mm. no way of sugarcoating. Yeah. This so, and so did it sounds like because I'm, I'm looking at the benefit from your mom so like it was just to take money from your dad or w- would that pan- yeah mm-hmm. like I'm, i was just curious because like it's just so awful to me how anyone could do that regardless just to think about your own parent yeah um and so just oh my gosh it just makes my skin crawl yeah uh-huh. just for anyone listening who you know maybe maybe you haven't heard that legal description before but even if there wasn't money involved at all and mm-hmm. you know, there wasn't like any money being exchanged between her and this mm-hmm. person so yeah. that wasn't happening mm-hmm. um but 
so in that case, the money portion isn't really, did my mom keep some money for herself? Probably because I know mm-hmm. my dad gave her an allowance. Yeah. Um, but there was no exchange between those two people, mm-hmm. the, the trafficker and the abuser. What mm-hmm. was happening though, was a service was being exchanged. Mm-hmm. So I think this is yeah. where Oof. it's yeah. tricky because yeah. sometimes people think trafficking is like the movie mm-hmm. uh, a van. Yeah. That can mm-hmm. Yeah. But, Trafficking can also be, um, you know, a child being sent to a labor facility and having to work mm-hmm. hours and hours yeah. ahead so their parents receive a benefit. That's trafficking too. Mm, yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. So, you know, mm-hmm. if there's there's a lot of definitions for this. So that's mm-hmm. my story. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not to downplay the trauma I went through. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I know of people that have been removed from their homes and kidnapped. Oh, wow all these horrible things and had parents looking for them for years. And I've heard these stories too, and that's very traumatic. So it's, mm-hmm. it's scary to think that there's, there's almost different versions of this mm-hmm. where it can happen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Like there, yeah, there are definitely nuances in it and different things. And like yeah. you said, talking about the labor too. And yeah. what, what was your mom's reasoning behind that? Yeah. I just, this just blows my mind. It's just, Oh my gosh! Like, if I maybe want, I maybe I don't maybe I don't understand. <laughs> like, I don't either, Andrew, I don't. But <laughs> if I was to play devil's advocate mm-hmm. and say say she had one good intention for any of this, the only reason and only there's no logical explanation. But say we were to give a reason to this mm-hmm. that I can think of is you know, growing up in my home, education for women wasn't that important. I was homeschooled my whole life. Here's the textbook. Good luck. I will give uh, you the answers on the test. And uh, I'll send you to a Christian college, you know, but you won't be able to go anywhere else except for the place mm-hmm. I picked for you. So, and that's to find a husband, of course. Mm-hmm. But, <laughs> which, oops, I did. Um, <laughs> thankfully, I ended up with someone good. But That's good. Um, yeah. But, uh, you know, that was that was their whole view of women is that's the whole reason you learn anything at all. You you become a housewife or a pastor's wife or a Sunday school teacher or a church school teacher or something like that. So mm-hmm. the only, if there's any good, which th- there's not, no, <laughs> if there's any droplet of good in this yeah. story from my mom's perspective, it was that she was giving me a, uh, leg up in the world of having a musical ability to market mm-hmm. myself as yeah. his wife. Mm-hmm. Yes. Future. But like you said, though, she had to know you weren't learning anything. So, no way she didn't know. Yeah. yeah. So, wow. Oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah. I'm so sorry. That's so terrible. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I shouldn't be laughing about this. I really shouldn't. No, I mean I get it. There are times like I've I've been on podcasts where we'll laugh about the darkest things. And that's yeah. what I've noticed too, because I feel like there's always that like the terrible negative emotion stage. And then eventually you start laughing about it. And like I feel like I've gotten to that stage where I'll talk about it and I'll laugh about certain things. Yeah. Um, and it's interesting because as I've read different autobiographies of different people who've had mental health struggles or different traumas. I've noticed a lot of them get to that part of just laughing. I just yeah. think it's just a coping um, yeah, mechanism to is. do with it. it. So it's just. Do you laugh or do you cry? Do you. Yeah. 
Oh, man, but I, I remember before being able to laugh about any of these things. I, mm. you know, there were times I wouldn't leave my house for weeks. I was so depressed. Uh, wow. Mm. Just so traumatized and scared that I would be triggered by everything mm. again. Uh, you know, and yeah. yeah, it's just, it's either that or this, you know? Mm. Um, yeah. yeah. And like, I'm glad you've been in therapy though to help you. And like, I'm sure like for me, like, I'm going to be in therapy the rest of my life, which I'm fine with. I think yeah. it's a great thing and it can help anyone. Um, but now I want to talk about really, you know, because your life experiences of what you've been through and your trauma and your story, how does that influence the work that you do today? As I know you're a speaker and you go to different churches and Christian schools to talk about sexual abuse and predators and how to watch out for that. Mm, yeah, I think you know, a, a lot of times when we're passionate about something, there's always a personal story there, you mm -hmm. know, okay. whether it's human rights or women's rights mm -hmm. or what have you, you know, there's, yeah. there's a reason it's because we resonate so deeply with those stories. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, I think I it, primarily with the abuse portion of my story is that I don't ever want anyone else to experience what I've been through. Mm -hmm. You know, I yeah. think about other kids that I met just being in the mm -hmm. environment I was in. And sometimes they'll come back and get in touch with me and they'll share with me their stories. And I'll think, wow, you know, you, you went through it too. I'm so sorry. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I think about what we've been through and, you know, I recently recall the story of when my family and I were traveling in the States and um, she wasn't the only one that I met like this, but there was, there was a girl about the same age as me that I knew that, um, was with, uh, in a church who had a predator and this, there was a man that was grooming her. And yeah. I saw that as, as a young teen, I was probably about 13, 14. Um, I didn't know that that was wrong because that had already happened to me, mm. um, and yeah, I didn't know any better, but this was a man possibly, you know, it's hard to tell ages when you're, when you're younger, but mm -hmm. he was about 40, fifties and she was in her teens and he would say things to her like, Oh, yeah, I can't wait till you're an adult where we can date um, uh. hands with her. If it was handholding time for prayer. Um, and I recall that now and I'm like, wow, you know, this poor girl, she was groomed and mm. I, I hope nothing happened to her, but I don't know that, you know, or I think about mm -hmm. the other missionary kids that I met and they'd say things like, yeah, my, my dad has a horrible temper. Like, oh, what does he do? And then they describe, and then we kind of laugh and just be like, oh no, my dad did this to me the other day. Uh, and you'd think like we're comparing stories here as teens and kids and you know, a fist to the face isn't something you should be laughing about no, as a child. No. Mm. And I think back about all these kids and I remember their faces as, as children and mm. yeah. I haven't seen them since and I hope they're okay. Yeah. Sorry. No, um, it's fine. I hope they're okay. And I think, mm -hmm. you know, when I speak or um, people invite me on their podcast or, you know, want me to talk yeah. Uh, to pastors, those are the faces I see. Mm. And I think about them and I think, you know, these faces, they might be different faces, but these, these kids are in the church. Mm. And 
if you don't say something or if you don't do something mm. about it, they're going to experience the same thing. Mm. And I, I can't, I can't let myself mm. not say anything because yeah. how can you, how can mm. you know all this pain and know how awful someone's mm. childhood could be and how much yeah. trauma mm -hmm. they have to survive even after they get out yeah and and, and you know that mm -hmm. how can you look then at your own congregation and someone comes mm -hmm. to you and says my child is scared because of their sunday school teacher said this how can you stay silent how can you sweep it under the rug yeah how can you do that you know mm -hmm. and i think that's where I'm so passionate about it because I want people to wake up because it's mm -hmm. happening. Yeah. You know, and I understand there are people that can't even fathom what that's like, you know, mm -hmm. yeah. I had this conversation with a friend before where you, know, you have people who grew up in a healthy home. And to me, it's like hard to even imagine that there's a home that's a, a church person and a pastor and it's healthy mm, yeah i can't even comprehend that because that, mm -hmm. that wasn't my story yeah. but say they did have that and then they felt that they would then take on their parents church or they felt that they were then to serve their community as as a pastoral leadership so they went from a healthy home showing the healthy side of what this is Mm -hmm. They then go and have all the support in the world from family members and friends to pursue their career as a shepherd of their church or a bishop or a pastor or what have you, and actually any religion for that matter, um, or a priest. And then they go and do those things that, that aren't harmful. And mm -hmm. someone comes to them and says, I was abused by your right hand man. They have no idea what these people are talking about because they haven't yeah. it themselves. There's mm. a major disconnect from even those people who are trying to do the right thing. Mm. And I think, you know, that's why I'm so vocal. If, if, if any of these people will listen, you know, there's, there's so much prevention we can do. We don't need pages and pages of Southern Baptist reports mm. to come out. No. We don't need the Catholic no. Church report. We, you know, mm. I, I love what Eric does, but his yeah. podcast shouldn't even exist. I, I'm sorry, mm. Eric, if you're listening, <laughs> you do. Uh, thank yeah. you for doing what you do. But the, yeah. you know, the, the reason mm -hmm. the podcast exists is because these people are abused. Mm, yeah. You know, my, my page shouldn't even exist. Mm. I wish it didn't. Mm. But the fact that it has to is, mm -hmm. is horrifying. And yeah. I think that's that's probably why you're passionate about this too. Is oh yes, yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, you know, and and that's that's honestly why I've I've wanted to speak up and mm, talk about yeah. the church because I don't mm. ever want anyone to experience. Uh, yes, yeah. yeah, I know. Like, thank you so much yeah. for being vulnerable and sharing your story. Because, like, just hearing you say that really, because even though deep in the back of my mind. Um, you know, I have, thankfully, mostly people have been nice to me online, yeah. but right. I do have people who will come in to be very angry uh -huh. at me just because I talk about religious trauma mm -hmm. in general. And I tell my story and I'll get all these accusations about things. And then, but, you know, I have to consider the source. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, you know, and like, I know me. I know I, I try to have a positive, kind, 
loving approach about my story and online and try to be professional in that way, at least. But for me, like my big passion is religious trauma. Mm. Everywhere I said that because it's so insidious. Yeah. And, you know, I, I talk a lot, a lot of my story, how it nearly took my own life. I nearly committed suicide and how thankfully circumstances in my life worked out so well and you know i talk about my story like i cannot believe that i am alive today when i tell my story and so i'm like because i am alive i want to share that story and prevent religious trauma and prevent spiritual abuse and all these things um, from happening and i know not everyone is going to see that or understand that but i am grateful for the people who are able to listen and understand and be inspired and just yeah i just love also what you're doing I, um so much. sorry no i I'm, I'm laughing because when you said that when you said these these people will say terrible things to you um i think i don't know if this happens to you too but um sometimes if i will um say something about religious abuse or talk about how physical abuse or sexual mm -hmm. abuse happens in churches many times. I will have people in the comments that will pray for me to get saved. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, um, that is not what we're talking about, first of all. Uh, second of all, um, thank you for your judgment. <laughs> or you know, they'll, they'll say things like, oh, you need to forgive. And if you mm -hmm. don't forgive, you won't move on. And I'm thinking, do you mean you want me to shut up? I think that's what you're asking me to yeah. do. Yeah. Mm -hmm. A lot of judgmental approaches. Yeah. Mm. It's just yes. Yeah. Oh, I know what you mean. Yeah. I've definitely had people like that. And honestly, I usually don't respond. I just delete it <laughs> immediately. I like, there are very few people I respond to, but it's like, there was one guy I like, he kept on commenting over and over different posts. And I was like, hey, I was like, I knew you'd mean well. I was like, I would love to still have you on my page and learn. But if you're just going to keep making these kind of comments over and over again, like I'm going to have to block you. Like I told him, like, quit harassing me. You're wow, harassing you're me. so kind. <laughs> you didn't have to be that nice. Oh, no. But I ended up blocking him. So. Of course, yeah. Yeah. Oh. Uh, but no, it was this guy who claimed, he's like... <laughs> Oh, it's so funny when these people, they're like, they're like, I can interpret the Bible perfectly, basically. I'm a Bible interpreter. Just come to oh. me. I have I have all the answers. Okay. That's a red flag. That is such a cultic yeah. kind of way. Like, I, you know, I can interpret this perfectly. Every like, just come to me. I have all the answers. He's like, just send anyone on your page to me. And I'm like, no, <laughs> no. I'm sorry. What? No, 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 no. Yeah, that's, oh man, that brings back a lot of memories. Oh no. No, no, no you're fine. You're fine. Um, but wow. Yeah. That's so scary. You know, what's crazy to me too, is that, um, it's like, is, sorry, forgive me if this is the wrong word. Is it oxymoron yeah. when it's like you say one thing, but you you're saying another. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Like kind of in a way, or like, it sounds like 
there's also like i guess you would say a moment of cognitive dissonance too mm, yes i think and so it's like these people like i'm just speaking from experiences the mm-hmm. types of churches we visited yeah. mm-hmm. the type of preaching i heard yeah these people these young people they don't read the bible and they don't know anything about god but then when you do read the bible they get mad because it's like no i am the only interpretation of this <laughs> what do you want me to do do you want me to yes. study or not study it you know mm-hmm. so frustrating mm-hmm. <laughs> oh i know what you mean yeah like i've definitely noticed in these cultic churches how they cling to these certain things and they ignore other contexts or possible things it's been interesting um to me as i've left to Mm -hmm. hear different perspectives and people's different experiences on christianity i'm like what i'm like what you're like you grew up in a healthy church what i know right (laughs) you didn't you didn't leave church in absolute shame and crying every sunday what wow that must be nice like and so it's interesting because you know there are so many different experiences because you know i mean across the world like oh my gosh like what there are just thousands and thousands of denominations of christianity across the world <laughs> yeah there are and none of them get along like what is no going here? i'm like yeah. not at all mm-hmm. and so it's interesting because have you ever had people dismiss your story and be like oh yeah that's not real christianity at all sorry um (laughs) yes yes oh wow Um, and i was like please tell me what real is and it's just Mm. i think joe lumen online she talks about this some but she's like you can't just look at something that you don't like and be like oh that's not christianity so I'm not going to deal with that. That person's not going to be held accountable. It's like ignoring the elephant in the room, an excuse to not deal with it. And it's like, there are systemic issues <laughs> that we have <laughs> in these churches across America. Yeah. And you can't just say, oh, that isn't Christianity and then not do anything right. about it. Yeah. Because if it isn't, then shouldn't we be more vocal? <laughs> yes. Thank you. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't, I don't understand that at all. Yeah. Um, I had a funny memory pop up. I, I hope it's okay to share like this. Oh, go for it. I had the most, okay. So my home was pretty culty. And of oh. course, you know, once we moved into my grandma's old house, I wasn't allowed to leave the house. You know, I got screamed at for taking out the trash and couldn't go anywhere unless my parents were there. Oh, it was crazy. Um, so I was pretty much confined to my bedroom or the living room my entire last two years of high school. Yeah. But um, there was a church that we visited in the States and it was in Kentucky. And um, this, this church held a yearly mission slash Bible conference. And they did take my family on for support. Mm, Go figure. (laughs) But um, they would do this thing once a year where they would call in an evangelist and he would preach And basically he told everyone that the only way for someone to become a Christian Mm. was for them to hear the word of God from another Christian or a pastor. And he, he would say things to the church members like, Oh, you're not a real Christian because X, Y, Z. And so people would literally be sobbing at the altar and he believed Uh, that god had to reveal himself to you through mm. a minister or another christian 
in order for you to receive Jesus. So mm. if you didn't have that experience, you were not a real Christian. You were going mm. to hell. So yeah. there would be people at the altar crying and wailing and begging God to finally get to hear them. And I believed that for a long time uh. too. And what was even scarier is there were people, um, it, and this is where I'm like, oh, this is very culty. Um, they would open up their basement where all the Sunday school rooms were. Huh. And families would be assigned a, a Sunday school room. So our whole family slept in like, I don't know, third grade Sunday school kid class, right? They put up cots and tents and but it was mm. weird. Wow. Like, yeah. Yeah. This was like a week long experience. And if we wanted a shower, the men and women had to take turns mm. in the baptistry to take a shower. People Ew. would drive from miles and miles away in their camper vans. I remember meeting this other family. Uh, there was a, a guy, he was about the same age as me, maybe a year younger. And he was telling me he couldn't become a Christian because he wasn't a certain age. Mm. I was like, really? He's like, yeah, so I can't become a Christian. And so, you know, I'm scared. Like if I don't become a Christian, like right when I turn that age, I'll go to hell. He was terrified. And oh my, that's sad. Mm. And there was a woman that flew from Australia. Oh my gosh. <laughs> She flew from Australia. Wow. She'd been flying every year, mm. hoping God would finally oh, her. Gosh. And um, you know, there were some other really weird things going on there, like um, just very much controlling, just some strange stuff. Mm. And I had I had a moment where I was like, you know, as I start to heal, I'm like, how are these people doing? Get a little oh, quick Google no. search. I looked up on their church and. They have an entire bylaw section, right? There is one in there that says they are not allowed to sue each other. Oh my gosh, that's so culty. I'm like, mm. I think there's a reason for that rule. I think. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it was, it was weird, but yeah, we stayed there for a week in that little tiny Sunday school room. Um, and other families did the same thing. So, but Oh yeah. my. Well, <laughs> yes that is oh my gosh like yeah. it's just you saying that example of like how they would use this fear or really they would be the gatekeeper of salvation as they would call it i guess you would say yeah. and like like you know you don't meet this standard mm -hmm. and like that's how it was at bob jones too because oh, no. they wouldn't say this to your face but if there oh. were people that didn't like fit the bob jones mold and i've right. heard this thankfully this didn't happen to me but i heard a friend tell me about this um but they asked this person they're like are you saved and this person you know with their knowledge they're like yeah and bob jones they called their parents and they're like what? and have like a checklist they're like did your child do this 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 and tried to figure out in their own criteria like a box basically yeah like a box <laughs> Yeah, if they were oh, saved or not. And they no. came to their own conclusion that the this person was not. And they kicked them out. And so that's Are you a very serious? <laughs> they kicked them out for that? Yes. Oh no. I think there were some other things involved okay. too, which I think still they shouldn't have been no. kicked out anyways. They're just I feel like they were one of those people that did not they they 
they were like me. They did not stay silent. Mm. They did not stay submissive. They spoke oh, okay. up about issues. There were issues at the university. There was there's still spiritual abuse that goes on there uh, with certain faculty that this the administration just doesn't care or listen to students um, complaints about things whatsoever. Mm. And it, it has really hurt the school a lot, which oh, it should. Yeah. It should. Like the oh. school is like suffering financially, which I'm glad it is, honestly. Yeah. I'm so glad. <laughs> yeah. I, wow. That just, I, I mean, you know, and I understand, you know, everybody believes something different and that's okay. Mm-hmm. But, but the cold. I can't wrap thing. my brain around yeah. it. Like, I think in, well, I mean, I can because I came from that environment, but yeah. You know, I, now I look back and I'm like, how in the world, mm-hmm. like, who are you to judge someone else and yeah. condemn mm-hmm. someone like that? It, like, who do you think you are? <laughs> yes. <laughs> no human being has that right or is given any kind of power of that sort. Like, mm-hmm. I'm sorry. It just makes me so angry. Oh, I, tangent, I agree. tangent. But like <laughs> people, people are very quick. I say people, but many environments are very quick. And this is where, you know, I've had to do my own self-reflection because I will be the first to admit I was a religious zealot. Oh, I was too. Yes. Oh, it's scary. I I couldn't look back at old posts and Mm. I'm like, oh, this is embarrassing. I I, want to apologize to every single person that read this because (laughs) I'm so sorry. This is awful. Mm -hmm. But I think about that and I think about what, you know, you and I might, I'm pretty sure we had some similar teachings here, but mm-hmm. we were taught to be like, oh, the worst sin in the world. Like this person got a tattoo. And oh, yes. Love it. The um, people who are listening, she just showed her sleeve. sleeve. Tattoo. Yeah. Sleeve of tattoos. Yeah. Or they drank or my goodness, like they, they, they did it. Oh, God forbid they had sex. Like, you know, all this stuff. And yeah. they're like all this condemning judgmental stuff. Right. And they're like, Oh, now they're going to hell. Mm. But then, you know, you, I was, I read the, the seven deadly sins, like for the first time after I mm-hmm. left all of this. And I'm like, did anyone not get the memo that pride is the number one thing? Like, <laughs> <laughs> we, we, we have to like not we can't you know do any of this stuff and i'm saying this because i was part of that and yeah you know, when i'm when i'm saying these things mm-hmm. i'm saying it as a reflection mm-hmm. of my own problematic behavior mm-hmm. and i'm like wow why did i not get this memo mm-hmm. sooner like mm-hmm. it's so embarrassing <laughs> oh i, I know I what you mean it, though. Oof, yeah. yeah like i know like yeah. it's interesting when you get out of that how you can sometimes jump back into that world oh, but yeah. still in yours it's mm-hmm. sometimes for me it's like too triggering but like there are times that you know because i've been working on a book since i was 19 oh, about yeah. my experiences really it just started out just for me to chronologically get things together and just heal but mm-hmm. as i've been met so many other people who experienced religious trauma because for me when I first started writing the book when I was 19 I had no idea of the term religious trauma mm-hmm. <laughs> at all I didn't find out about religious trauma until I think it was like 20 or 21 <laughs> yes and it was just because I didn't I did not get internet access until I was 17 years old mm-hmm. at all um and so even at that point I was so indoctrinated to even like question 
the religion or its harms was not even in my brain or mind at that moment. I was just suffering mentally and emotionally and psychologically and all these things. But it wasn't until like after so long, I slowly um, began to like uh, critique the approach of the IFB and their teachings and just starting to understand um, what's going on in my mind and what happened. But yeah, writing that um just has been so wonderful for me and i was gonna go somewhere with that and i oh, totally no. lost it no that's my fault oh my gosh where was i go what, what were you saying before i started talking what was the last uh, thing you said i think we were talking about how um people don't have the right to judge and uh, oh, i remember um, yes okay perfect okay so where i was going with that was you know in my when i'm writing this book it's you know it's it's going to take me years to write, I think personally, because it's been hard to go back into certain places, but like there are some points I try to think back, okay, how did I behave? How did I think? And it's been interesting to compare. And I remember as a child, since we were talking about judgment, this is where I was leaning with that. I remember like my neighbors, they were Methodist oh. and we kind of became friends, but I remember like, I was just a little preacher boy. No. <laughs> and I was basically because, because they, they, you know, they weren't Baptist. Um, they didn't use the King James version of the Bible. They were going oh, to hell. No. Oh, here we go. Oh no! So little, little eight, nine year old. He's like, you're going like, and you know, oh. looking back, I cringe. And then like, well, I'm like, my parents really trained me, <laughs> and my church trained me yeah. to be that way. And like, even growing up my church had this thing. It was a Bible club. It was called master club or something like, yeah, it was master club. I that, yeah. It was like boy scout, girl scouts, but mm. Bible involved. And you would just, there were all these different, like you would memorize Bible verses. You would read about different Bible stories and there were different like community service badges and they would somehow incorporate a Bible verse into each badge or something like that. Mm. And you would just try to accumulate. And really, as I look back, I'm like, yeah, that's just, it was a lot of indoctrination mm. uh, because the curriculum they used was very like IFB oh. <laughs> like approach. And I think the yeah. the church that made it, they were an IFB. So it just definitely had a lot of an agenda oh. Oh. Um, yeah. with their approach of the things. And I remember like it was before I left, it was, I think it was, wow, it was last year. It was like my last summer. I knew it was my last summer in the IFB <laughs> and I was so happy about that, but I was just kind of like on the, you know, like, Oh my gosh, like, I, you know, I, th I think I had told my parents I was leaving and they were very upset <laughs> about that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and, you know, in these cultic environments, they try so hard to scare you into staying. Oh, yeah. And so my mom was like, you're going to be homeless. You're going to go on drugs. Oh. You're just going to be, you're just going to be on the street addicted to drugs and poor. And, oh. and so she told me all these terrible things were going to happen. I was like, no, I'm like, that's not, it's not mm -hmm. going to happen. I'm like, that's going to happen if I stay here. <laughs> like I'm going to yeah. be, or I'm just going to kill myself because this is, oh. I just didn't understand. And they, they couldn't grapple with them. And so for me, like I've noticed, like, I think Stephen Hassan, who's a cult expert, he calls it phobia indoctrination. Mm -hmm. And it's where the, they instill so much fear of leaving that it just, it causes too much psychological discomfort yeah. <laughs> inside of you yeah. um, that it makes it so hard 
um, to leave. Um, But for me, thankfully, I was able to slowly deconstruct the IFB. I worked through a lot of those things. And it was it's very hard when you're indoctrinated to do that. Yeah. I mean, I mean, technically, I guess I've been, I was deconstructing it since I was 17 or 18, mm-hmm. but slowly, but I didn't realize it then, I guess I didn't have the language to understand it, but yeah. it was hard because I hadn't left yet. And I was still there. And my dad, he was, he helped in master club mm-hmm. and he was a teacher in a classroom and I, he needed help. And I was like, Oh my gosh, like, I, I don't want to do this. Like I, at that point I had set boundaries yet <laughs> oh. um, with my parents <laughs> or anything, which I Oh no, I can't hear you. There we go. Thank yeah, you. Sorry. Can, you're like, like, oh no, I hope you're you can hear it. I can't hear you. Um, but it was actually that fall that I began to finally set boundaries because like that was something that took me so hard or to so long to do and it was so hard because we talked about earlier how you're always taught to like respect authority no matter what and like the idea of boundaries of like after being indoctrinated for so many years of mm-hmm. saying to your parent you can't say this to me you can't make me do this anymore because it's unhealthy to me or you can't ask about this mm-hmm. so to do that which is very hard <laughs> but it was that summer I was helping my dad's class and just hearing the things he was teaching the children i was just sitting there or standing there i was like oh my gosh like oh my why is he doing this these poor kids like and it it came down to the that emotional repression Mm -hmm. he was teaching children that expressing anger whatsoever was sin so i'm like no like please don't say that like there's a healthy way to deal with this like to him he was saying that any if you hit something or did something that it was just a sin expressing it. And I was like, oh, wow, there's a healthy way you, it's going to go inside. And, you know, if you're not going to express it, it's going to show its way in your body. It will. <laughs> it yeah. will. The body keeps the score most yeah, definitely. It does. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's, oh, it's so sad. And mm. I, I have, I also have like a, a sadness toward this too, because, mm-hmm. you know, um, I have, I have friends that are still IFB and I, I love them very much. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I have some people that are not very kind when they speak to me. Um, but I have some people who are, and, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it, I'm, I'm still kind of like working through this one because, um, there is a pastor that my husband and I know, uh, very well, you know, in, in Texas that we're, we're still, we still really mm-hmm. respect and look up yeah. to. And, um, I forget what he used to be. He, he used to be, um, it was like, I forget what branch of the military was. It's basically where you, you jump out of planes, like a, is it a paratrooper or something? Yeah. Something like um, that. Okay. So he used to do that. And so he has like a really good eye for, um, catching abusive situations mm-hmm. um, because they do train you a little bit in the military with that. Yeah. And he was actually the first person that taught me in marital counseling that I was allowed to have um, boundaries, even sexual boundaries with my own husband. I had never heard that before. And this wow. was coming from an IFB pastor. Mm-hmm. And so I will forever be grateful for that. Mm-hmm. But you know, they weren't the reason I left the IFB movement. It was a, it was a different church. And Mm -hmm. so I think that's, that's where I really struggle with this because, Mm -hmm. you know, 
I I never want to lump everyone together, but I see mm-hmm. a lot of commonality with yes. where it's like, oh, mm-hmm. really deep. I know. I know. And I think Eric's podcast has been a great way of seeing the commonalities yeah. with all of that. Getting like, because, you know, to me, when someone told me about the Preacher Boys, like it was a friend, they told me about it back in January. They're like, Andrew, they're like, you should go on the Preacher Boys podcast. I was like, why? They're like, it's, <laughs> IF, it's IFB. I'm like, what? Well, it's a podcast on IFB? <laughs> Yeah. I'm like, wow, that's great. And like, it's sad, like we said earlier, that it's sad that there has to be mm-hmm. something like that. But mm-hmm. um, it was interesting. Yeah, but I, we recorded back in February. And I think oh, my okay. episode, it came out back in April or something. But it was funny because I, I just, I ruffled a lot of feathers before I left Bob oh. Jones. <laughs> Ooh, it's funny, though. It's so yeah. funny. I'm not going, I'm not going to go into all those details, but they remember me <laughs> once mm-hmm. I left. <laughs> I left a mark, Oof. <laughs> which honestly, I was kind of glad because I started a little mini revolution on campus, yeah. thankfully, with like positive changes. Yeah. yeah, it's like students talking about <laughs> spiritual abuse and religious mm-hmm. trauma, uh, which, of course, the Bob Jones staff hated that because they don't want to be held accountable or anything whatsoever. Right. But yeah. I was curious about um, your healing journey. Like, when did you actually start? To recognize I really like I've been through so much trauma mm-hmm. I need to heal and what did that look like for you the oh, steps you took goodness um so when I was in college I started to notice that my family well hmm, the very first time I noticed that something was wrong was was when I was really young um and I was at a friend's house. I think I did mention this on, on the Preacher Boys podcast where I had, my face was swollen and um, mm-hmm. I asked a friend of mine, you know, I was there, she, she noticed it and she said, what happened? Are you okay? And then I asked her, you know, does, does your dad hit you when he's mad? And she said, no. And that's when the wheels first started turning. Mm-hmm. I don't think healing started for me. I started to heal a little bit in college and some people might think, Oh, well, how would you heal there? You know, mm-hmm. yeah. um, you know, we weren't even allowed to be in the same elevator, you know, with men oh, yes, I know. Yeah. PCC. Yeah. I know it's, so <laughs> you know, so cause some people look at that and think, how did you heal? Well, I was allowed to leave my dorm room. Oh, I didn't have to yeah. ask for permission to mm. go eat food and wow. get water. You know, uh, I, I could call friends on, on my mm. phone now. Yeah. So that's where I, I believe it or not, like I found mm-hmm. some freedom. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was that. But, you know, I think a lot of this started, um, and this is another reason why I have that, you know, really hard time with kind of just putting everything together is um, at, when I was in Delaware, and this is where it becomes really complicated for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, so my husband and I got married in Texas. And um, we started attending a church. uh, And that's where the pastor told me about boundaries in marriage. And I'd never heard of that before. And, you know, Mm -hmm. um, I was like, Oh, wow, this is, this is different. I actually thought he was crazy because I was like, Oh no. You know, wives are just, you know, that's what I believe. So Mm -hmm. I thought he was crazy for telling me this. Mm -hmm. And it's hard to believe now, but um, you know, and, and that's also, where um i started to question my own faith like okay you know what what does it mean 
to be a follower of Jesus, like mm-hmm. for me anyway, what, what is this, how, how does this involve my story? You know, mm-hmm. so that's where I discovered that. And mm-hmm. then when we get to Delaware, I had severe anger issues. Mm. And, Understandably. Yes. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I think I had so much shame around it. I never showed this at work. Mm, no one yeah. knew I had anger problems, but mm. I'd come home and I'd yell and I, mm. you know, um, just say the worst things to Seth, who's my husband, but mm-hmm. I would hurt him verbally so bad. And mm. I look back and I don't even recognize that person. I didn't even yeah. know then. Mm-hmm. And it was so awful that he was to the point where he said, I love you, but mm-hmm. either we're going to have to get separate apartments or do something because mm-hmm. I, I can't handle this anymore. And he's like, I'm willing to go with mm-hmm. you if you want to see a counselor. I was against seeing a therapist at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, he's like, I'm willing to go with you to see a counselor if you want, but that's the last straw for me. I can't take this anymore. And rightfully mm-hmm. so. He had every right to yeah. walk out. Like that's, mm-hmm. no one should tolerate what I put him through. Mm-hmm. Um, so I agreed several months later. Um, and it, so we went to see a counselor, but the counselor was actually a pastor an IFC pastor mm. who very surprisingly had a master's degree in psychology. Oh my, that's yeah. a rarity. <laughs> very rare. He had a master's degree in psychology, had done all his clinical hours in a psych ward. Oh my. Um, he was an ex Baltimore police officer. Uh-huh. Like he had seen some things, you know? Um, and because of that, he was very passionate about mental health. Mm-hmm. So like he, he talked about how he was the one that announced had to go to someone's house and knock on the door. I'm sorry, your son has passed away. I'm bringing it. Those types of things, you know, or, um, you know, so he became very passionate about that. And so he was the one I went and saw and he had enough common sense (laughs) to know that there was something deeper going on, which is anger issues. Mm. And he was the one that asked me if I was ever sexually abused and from there, we started working on some things that mm. help me release a lot of that pain. Um, but it's been stepping stones. Like I, mm-hmm. I was, I worked on that pain with the trauma with my sexual abuser. I didn't mm-hmm. really work on that with my parents at all at that point. They were still in my life. And then in 2017, when they cut me out, um, I became suicidal and, mm. um, you know, I tried to do the whole Christianese, like pray over it situation. And mm. I refused to go to therapy. I, <laughs> I was already in school getting my psychology degree, mm. but was against seeing a licensed therapist. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Got into um, dissonance. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I don't need therapy. I, I'm at church. I'm fine. So, you know, I, I, I put that on myself really. And I look back, it was my, my own doing, but I found myself in a psych ward because it got to that point. Mm. And I had to hit rock bottom before I got real with myself. Mm. And, um, I told my boss what happened and he was the one that advised for me to seek out professional therapy through our work program. And that's, Mm -hmm. that's where a lot of this started with the healing with my parents and, a lot of that. I'm still working through a lot of that, but Mm -hmm. it's been, it's been stepping stones. Sometimes it's been, you know, even, even with leaving the IFB movement was pretty traumatic for me. Mm, Yeah. 
things that happened. There was a stalker and, you know, uh, cover up of sexual abuse. And, you know, that, that was what the final straw for me. I was like, mm, I'm not going to be a part of something that uh, I, I grew up seeing. And this is why I'm out. But, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's been stepping stones. And I think maybe even five years from now, I'll look back where I'm at now and think, wow, you, mm-hmm. you knew so little about healing. <laughs> I mm. might even laugh at myself, you know, mm, I yeah. think that's where we, we really mm-hmm. need to to ourselves. Oh, yes. Yeah. Mm. I don't think we're taught that when we come from those environments, just really no, we're not. to yourself, mm. you know, you had years and years of being told that getting help was wrong and you finally mm. are getting that Yes. Help. Mm-hmm. maybe be a little patient it's okay. yes <laughs> yeah. yes do some inner child work i've done yeah. a lot of that oh my gosh oh, that yeah. has been so powerful yeah um for me because i think we can't actually go back in time no we can't make a time machine and go back but Don't you know it, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh i know but like going back into that state of mind just telling even though you know it's in your imagination, but really there are psychological, you're, you're getting through psychological conflict mm-hmm. and processing things when you're doing that, you're going back. Cause there are things you repressed when you were at that age mm-hmm. that you're going back and it's hard. It's hard. And like, you know, sadly, um, you know, I've seen so many people just go to drug, sex and alcohol mm-hmm. and just numb the pain. And like, I totally understand that. And, but and then again, like I, I kind of take the same view as like, you know, when I, I could have just gone to a psychiatrist and say, just put me on so many pills. I don't want to feel anything, but that would have never dealt with any of the trauma. Mm-hmm. So for me, um, and then again, I just want to be, make it clear. I think medication can be a great yeah. thing. I am, I'm, I'm on two antidepressants. I'm in therapy. Like those combinations together are great, but I'm just saying you know, medication, there are things that it's the cure for. Like if you're bipolar medication, do you really need that? If you're schizophrenic, you need that. It's not like a black and white thing, but if you're dealing with trauma, do not expect medication to just, it's not, it's just going to stuff it in. So use medication and therapy together, because I think Mm -hmm. going to therapy, you'll get triggered and medication will help you deal with those triggers and help it not be as explosive in things. 100%. Yeah. But I think having that balanced view of it and realizing the nuances and knowing yourself and knowing your situation of what you actually need. Mm-hmm. And that's something that was hard. You know, I'm still working on and getting rid of that black and white mm-hmm. mindset and view because there are some things, you know, I'll say my therapist is like, yeah, he's like, that's really black and white, you know, right? I'm like, yeah. oh my gosh. I'm like, thank you for telling me. <laughs> like I'm trying because it was funny because when I went to my therapist, I was like, I was like, I spilled my guts out to you. I spilled out everything to you in like five months and you're not giving me some kind of remedy or cure to deal with all of this. Yeah. He's like, Andrew, he's like, do you not see how, <laughs> do you not see the irony <laughs> of how you want me to give you all of the answers to life's problems? Like, it's like, no, he's like, he's like, I understand. He's like, you grew up in that mindset of just yeah. go to someone that you got the answer. He's like, I can guide you and help you and give you tools. But he's yeah. like, you know, you're having your, you've had your own subjective experiences and traumas i can't go specifically into your mind like i can talk to you and have you work through things and give you insight Mm -hmm. but i'm here to guide you and to help you and to really think through and heal 
a lot of these things. Um, and so like anyone out there who's dealing with trauma and like, sadly in America, it, it was, it's harder, I feel like to get mental health care in America. Um, for me, it was really scary because I was like, what do I do? Like, how do I even like for me, like, does my insurance even cover mental health care? Mm-hmm. And America has a lot to fix in their healthcare system in general, but I was just really disappointed in how, you know, I went to my insurance website and there's like, there's no list of like therapists that are covered. I have to actually call my insurance company and be like, Hey, like, how do I know someone's covered? And they literally like, Oh, we can send you a list. Like, I was like, I don't love that. Like, why is it not accessible online? Yeah, I, I don't understand that either. And I don't. It's it's so hard for people who are, you know, mm-hmm. either coming from this mindset or, yeah. you know, it's like this is their first time in therapy mm-hmm. and there's so yeah. much stigma. Mm-hmm. And I was yeah. talking to my husband about this not too long ago. It's, so I, I've come from a country that has universal health care, Japan does. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's kind of like a, it's weird the way this balances out because mm-hmm. you have the access. But I feel like the stigma is worse in Japan. So people don't get the help they're supposed to get. Mm. But then you come here and I feel like people are more open to talk about it, but it's harder mm-hmm. to get access to the yes. health community. So it's mm-hmm. like, what mm-hmm. are human beings supposed to do trying yeah. to navigate life? But mm-hmm. yeah, it's so difficult because who wants to get on a phone and talk to a stranger and say, Oh, I know. Yeah, I I I I have not thought through with my plans, but it's they're lingering. <laughs> and you know, I have all this childhood trauma and I don't know you, but uh uh, I don't even know where to start or what I have. I've never been diagnosed. So yes, you know, what are you supposed to do? You yes. know, um, but yeah, that's uh, it's, yes. it's such a burden mm-hmm. on mm-hmm. the person who's trying so yes. hard, and it mm-hmm. shouldn't be. It, it should not. Happen. No, and like for anyone listening, I actually on my link tree, I put together a resource guide oh, for yeah. mental health. And Psychology Today is on there, and they have a wonderful directory of therapists where you can actually filter out by your insurance, mm. which was so helpful for me once I actually discovered. It's just, mm. I was mad that I had to go outside of my insurance company to even find that. But Psychology yeah. Today, they have a wonderful directory and search filters of like, you can search by different like uh, modalities of therapy, um specific like if they're lgbtq friendly or if they're a christian if they're religious if that's what you want um and all these different things to specifically personalize for you that's and it's so important for that and so i'm glad psychology today i just want to do that little like this is not an ad but (laughs) yes sponsor please sponsor (laughs) Uh, but no for real though it's so important to to Mm. find a therapist that yeah, no one's going to understand everything you've been through, but mm-hmm. you know, if you have a specific thing that you're working through or trauma mm-hmm. related yeah. to something, mm-hmm. you know, it's it makes sense to go someone who understands mm-hmm. because yeah. the last thing you want to do is, and this has happened to me by the way, so please, oh, no. if you are going to therapy for the first client time, do not get discouraged. Um, I saw a. Uh, I don't know if this person was actually licensed. So this was pre mm. like hitting rock bottom and realizing mm. that I actually need to take this seriously. I went in yeah. for a counselor in Florida because I was just one day I was mm. like, you know, I need, I need to go in. Everyone was on a six month wait list. 
Uh, this guy had an opening next week, which should have been a red flag. Oh no. <laughs> I go in and I tell him what's going on pour my guts out. And I wasn't there for childhood trauma. I was not ready to talk about that mm-hmm. yet. Yeah. So I still not face that reality at that point where I was like, Hey, you need to talk. You need to get real with yourself. I was worried because I was going to a family member's wedding where someone would possibly be there. And I was afraid of being mm, triggered. Yeah. That's why I was there. So I'm, I'm talking to this counselor and saying, you know, I'm just really worried about this wedding coming up and I'm, I'm scared that, you know, there'll be drama and this person shows up and I don't know what to do. I'm bawling my eyes out. I mm. look up and they're slurping out of a cup and like doodling something on their pad. They're not paying attention at all. Uh, I leave, I go to pay. And he's like massaging one of the female staff shoulders and like flirting with them. And I was like, uh, goodbye. We'll not be here next week. I'm yeah. not going to be back ever again. So, you know, it, it, there's some shady ones out there, um, mm-hmm. but check their licenses and credentials. Yes. And check reviews, yeah. reviews too on people. Like yeah. definitely out there should be careful. Yeah. For me, it was amazing how it worked out because I immediately told when I had my free consultation, I was like, Hey, like I need to work through religious trauma. I'm from BJU. I was expelled. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, please help me and this person was like yeah he's like therapists aren't usually supposed to reveal personal things with their lives but Uh i think this is important that i tell you this he's like i went to bob jones university um i left because it was so toxic there um and he's like i was studying biblical counseling but He's like, then I decided that that was very harmful, the way they were approaching it and that modality in general. And so he's like, I decided to become a therapist after leaving. Wow. Okay. And so he's like, I can relate and understand that environment. I was like, thank you. <laughs> like, yes. Yeah. Because at first I was afraid. I was like, oh no, like, did he graduate? And like, is he like, oh, <laughs> <all>, like, <laughs> but no, thank you. call the school. Like, what's going yeah. on? Oh yeah. no. Thankfully yeah. it, it worked out. But, um, you know, as you've, it's so amazing that you found that grace, kindness, and patience for yourself. Cause I think that is so important um, as you're in this process of healing, because I think sadly, once we leave these cultic environments, like with my example, we can sometimes think, Oh, I can go to them. They'll give the answer. And for me, it was hard to grapple with realizing and learning about trauma that, Oh my gosh, this could take the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so part of me was like, that made me really depressed. And I was like, why even do anything? Mm. Like, why does it matter? And so for me, and it's because I had that, still had that perfectionistic kind of mindset that I had to be perfect, completely whole or whatever. Mm. And so for me, like letting go of that perfectionistic mindset, which my new life mantra is progress, not perfection. And so for me, I would not tell myself, you know, as long as I'm you know, getting better yeah. every day and improving, that's fine. And to me, like a lot of the pain was, you know, there were so many reasons, but a lot of it was that pressure to just meet a certain standard or to be perfect basically. And so for me, like letting go of just these weights mm-hmm. <laughs> that religion and toxic and mm-hmm. cultic environments can put on you, just letting those go and just letting yourself be human and feeling emotions yeah. and that it's okay. And like, you know, for me, it's been incredible how much progress that I've made. Like I know I've been in therapy like the rest of my life and I'm sure you will be too, but um, <laughs> I know we're laughing about that. But, I know. 
Lush of our lives. But I think, you know, it's important, I think, for people to realize that there there is hope. There is healing. And just to give yourself that love and compassion. And, you know, I think... And I, you know, I know we've been talking a while and I've just, I could talk to you for hours. I know. I feel like I've known you for years. I, I don't, you're an amazing <laughs> host, by the way. But, uh, <laughs> thank you yeah. so much. Yeah. Maybe, maybe we can do a part two. I don't know. Maybe, yeah. <laughs> I'd be down for that. Yeah. Uh, and so honestly, it's funny because I haven't really asked you a lot of the questions that oh. I had on the list <laughs> because we just got into our own conversation, yeah. which is fine because yeah. I love it when it works out that way, when we can just have that natural conversation and it works yeah. out. But um, I guess a, a question that I had too is like, yeah. in a few sentences, could you sum up your current miss- mission that you have as you're speaking and going and doing what you're doing on social media? Mm. Wow. Hmm. Be real and be compassionate, I guess. Mm. Mm. Um, I think a lot of times when we think of empathy and compassion, mm-hmm. we don't want to be real. Mm-mm. And, but there's a balance, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, I can, I can go and, and, and say what I need to say, but if I'm not saying it because I am compassionate mm. about the other survivors out there, I have done them no service at all. Mm, you know, yeah. you know I, I can, I can speak towards abuse in the church and, and speak mm-hmm. at people. But if I haven't become someone who is mm. listening, actively listening and actively trying to understand, because the, the people mm-hmm. have been through other things. I'm, I'm yeah. not the only survivor out there. You know that uh, things I'll never understand if I don't. Yeah, that I've done them a disservice, and so I think it's mm. important to be real, but also be extremely empathetic and compassionate about what you do. Or mm. at least anyway, yeah. Oh yes, and like you know, you saying that those are two things that church, that I feel church especially is really lacking. Mm-hmm. They're not authentic. They're not real, and a lot of them are not compassionate, which is really sad as we see. Um, these sexual abuse and even just abuse in general, these cases just diminished or ignored and a lot of people victim blamed really. And that's just, that's not what survivors need. No one needs that period at all. And it just, it makes me so sad to even still see stories about pastors blaming, victim blaming really. And, you know, I'm hope that we can, move past this i hope these churches can mm-hmm. learn mm-hmm. from their mistakes and yeah. hopefully be better um but i guess more specifically i'm just i'm curious about the work that you're doing yeah. now like yeah. how how often like when i saw that you speak at churches i thought how many churches actually want to address this not very many I'm yeah sure gonna i'm not gonna yeah. be around that bush you know mm-hmm. i have unfortunately i've not spoken at a lot of churches um i've done more podcasts than mm-hmm. yeah churches, which i wish it was the other way around you know um mm-hmm. yeah my current church has actually allowed me to share my story oh that's great i've mm-hmm. really appreciated that and you know and i want to be sensitive to the fact that i understand i understand that 
Mm-hmm. There are people that want nothing to do with the church. I may even hear my story. Mm-hmm. And, oh, this is really uncomfortable for me to hear. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I want to honor that because yeah. like I had the Bible force fed down my throat mm-hmm. my whole life. Yeah. Same. Mm-hmm. I don't want anyone listening to feel that that's, that's mm-hmm. what I'm trying to say. So, you know, yeah. if it's, if it's too much to hear mm-hmm. what I'm about to say, I, I won't be offended if you have to skip over this, but, mm-hmm. um, my current church has been very, a very healing experience, which mm-hmm. is so strange for me yeah. to say, because, I, you know, it's, it's, it's like how, um, mm-hmm. but they allowed me to share my story and they actually recorded it mm-hmm. and, um, they're going to, they're going to end up playing it on Sunday morning. Uh, um, so, wow. you know, and, and they let me say everything, you know, including mm-hmm. abuse within the church, you know, pastors that didn't listen, um, all of that. And, and so I, mm-hmm. I appreciated that very much. Mm-hmm. So they, they've been one of those churches and yeah, I've had another church before that's allowed me to speak up mm-hmm. about grief and yeah, in that manner. And I've had a, a pastor um, who was a Baptist pastor who reached out to me and said, Hey, can you speak on my podcast about fake missionaries? Like, I, I want to know. I'm like, yeah. oh, oh, okay. Um, I was surprised. Yeah. You know, I, I'm sad that I was surprised, um, but I appreciated that. And that meant a lot to me uh, mm-hmm. that he would open his platform to to hear my story. And he, he didn't edit any of that out. And I, I appreciated that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not that often that I get approached mm-hmm. by yeah. churches, you know. Mm-hmm. I, I hope it becomes more because it's a serious yeah. Mm, yes and then is there a way like do you reach out to churches is there a way you market yourself you know i wish (laughs) i wish i had the ability to do that so i currently work full-time nothing Mm -hmm. to do with what i do online right now Oh okay uh i'm a social media strategist by day um i do that for a a corporate america like Mm -hmm. (laughs) a totally different job that's how i pay my bills um, so that's, that's what I do currently. My goal though, would be to, um, be able to speak full time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I know I need to write a book. Like I, I know. Mm, I yes, that. please. Um, I will buy, I will buy immediately. so much. Yeah. Um, but I, I want to do that. You know, um, I'd love to get back into podcasting. I had one for a while. And I'm kind of kicking myself because I didn't oh, no. even turn the ads on because I was so embarrassed. I was like, I can't turn on the ads because then I'm taking money from people and they're listening. I feel so awful. So I never turned the ads on. So I never oh. made any money, um, which I realized like I, I'm putting myself further back behind. Mm. But I think it's, oh, well. I'm, I'm working through that trauma of mm-hmm. watching my parents scam people. And I'm like, I don't want to oh, be close mean. to that. Yeah. Um, but if anyone wants to reach out to me, I do have an email. Um, it's just admin at isamidane.com. Usually takes about, I don't know, two to three days for a response. Mm-hmm. Um, you'll get, um, you'll get contacted with either my schedule or, um, possibilities mm-hmm. to, to either yeah. do a podcast or for me to speak at your church. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if I'm coming to speak at your church, it's not free. Yes. <laughs> out there mm-hmm. i'm trying to scam anyone but like my goal is to be able to do this full time and mm. so if i, if I can't yeah. even begin to to mm-hmm. put myself out there like that yeah it's, 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 mm-hmm. and andrew i'm yeah. sure 
you know how this feels, but there are some days where it's just like, I'll clock out of work or be done with my day job. And then I'll get on and start editing or mm-hmm. you know, planning out content for the week. And when I have yeah. my podcast, I'd be working mm-hmm. until midnight <laughs> doing mm. all this and yes. Saturday and then Sunday and having no uh. rest having mental breakdowns questioning mm. my <laughs> <laughs> if i allowed to be sharing this i think it's too much sharing sorry but no. you know um but that is my goal is to, to be able to do that full-time mm-hmm. maybe even yeah. with other organizations mm, that so. is so great and i think yeah like building your audience and your platform i think it's a great way to start to bring awareness to that and like once you can actually speak full-time you can start really getting in churches across america and like yeah. i will just i'll definitely help you any way you can to do that because i think yeah. it is so important because i know a lot of people um kind of like stand from a distance at a church which i think is totally fine i've done that <laughs> but i think it's great like good for you for walking inside and like trying to change it inside out because for me like i get ptsd from going to a church so it's gonna be yeah it's been that's gonna be a long time before even like for me like i have a fear of just going to churches just for a wedding in general like i'm always afraid of like what if i get invited to a wedding and i have to go to church but i think it's great that you um been able to do that to walk into the fire and like not that all these churches are terrible which i don't want to paint an ugly picture i know there are wonderful churches out there but the ifb has its issues we can agree on that at least yeah um, you know it's, it's funny yeah. you mention that. there there are some times i'll hear certain songs and i still have to leave mm. um yeah it's a lot it's triggering yeah. mm, it brings it's just your mind is bringing you back to that is triggering it's really it's really tough and yeah and yeah it will take time to heal most definitely and like i don't know what kind of therapist you're going to but i've heard i have i actually haven't done this yet but emdr i've heard is really helpful mm-hmm. um for working with church which is something i'm going to do next year right now my first year i'm like you know what i'm just gonna do traditional talk therapy and just talk mm-hmm. it out and they will eventually um definitely get to those things but and i think you know i've really really loved having you on this podcast and i always try to i I really want to have a diverse background of different kinds of people Mm. on the podcast it was interesting because i remember when i reached out through your email to your admin and they got back to me Mm -hmm. and it was interesting because when people sign up there's like an automated email that gets sent with like questions i generally have and i forgot about that and like I remember getting an email back. They're like, this doesn't apply to her story at all. Oh. And I'm like, I'm like, I'm sorry. That was automated because usually the type of people who come on my podcast have usually like left religion completely and they're not believers anymore. Right. And they're yeah. talking about their journey of healing. But mm-hmm. for me though, it's like, I want, I, I do want to have believers on my podcast, but it's really hard to find believers who are not going to be dogmatic or cult-like so for me like it's hard to find that so when i saw your story and like i saw i'm like oh my gosh like she you know she's a person of faith she still goes to church but she's spreading this light and this love and this compassionate message i'm like yes i'm like i can have someone on because i think it's important i think because in the deconstruction community there are different paths some people they completely leave their church for a long time and they go to a different one some people leave 
completely. Some people just immediately jump to a different kind of church. And like, there are people who actually want to figure out how to balance or still keep their faith because they find value in that. And I want, I wanted to respect that for different people. Cause I know people choose different paths for what's best for them. And I've, I, my biggest fear, I guess, when I left religion was that like, I can't be dogmatic about deconstruction at all. I can't, mm -hmm. cause I've seen that in the deconstruction community. There are certain people who, you yeah. know, I've, mm, I've gotten in an argument with, it was by oh, only, by only internet. <laughs> No, it was my first argument with someone oh. <laughs> and they were making all, I'm not going to go into all the details, but they were making accusations about this leader who was like, I don't know, it was interesting. Um, he, he kind of like, he, it was really weird. I didn't understand it, but this guy seemed like he was a Christian. He used Christianity, but he wasn't a Christian. <laughs> Oh. I don't know. I didn't understand it. He called himself a, a, a mystic Christian or Christian mystic or something. Oh, okay. I don't know if I've it was, I didn't know what it was. And I was yeah. like, and it's interesting because I've seen this guy talk about Christianity and God. So it was like confusing to me. And I automatically assumed this person was a Christian. And okay. anyways, this person was making accusations about this person. And I was like, I was like, no, like, do you have proof to say all these things you're saying this person is doing? And basically this person was just so angry how this oh. person was like using the teachings of Jesus and oh. some things in Christianity. And I was like, and, and you know, this guy's like, you can't do that. Like, this is an oppressive, terrible system, blah, 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 blah. Oh. Like, oh my gosh, this guy is terrible. He's using this oppressive tool. And I was like... I was like, calm down. Like, mm -hmm. I'm like, listen, I was like, yes, religions of all kinds have been used for so many oppressive things and done so much harm. Mm -hmm. um, but there, I'm like, there are definitely examples of churches who have done good. Yeah. And so I've tried to have that balanced perspective. Yeah. Um, you know, and it's interesting because I think there's one post I made a while, a while ago. I'm like, you know, there were good churches there are bad churches <laughs> and there are churches that have both they're good they have good and bad in them sadly like there might be you know that's the thing i think that's important for what you're doing because you might go to a church that people might think is generally safe but there might be this one Sunday school teacher in this one Sunday school room who's abusing someone mm -hmm. yeah. um, so i think it's important to have that nuance and realize we cannot when we, you know, as we deconstruct or reconstruct or whatever our path is, we cannot take this black and white and, and extremist no. mindset with us because no. we're doing the same exact thing with a different ideology. You nailed it. Yeah, that's, absolutely. And so that's why I think and like, you know, I know some people listening might be triggered um, by her, like talking about church in general for some reason which i completely understand that and i think thankfully like i'm at the point where i'm okay with talking with someone who's still mm -hmm. a believer and who is open-minded and you know is willing to have those deeper conversations and just i've loved having this conversation with you like you are you were like what christianity really needs so much <laughs> so desperately and it's like you know it was crazy to me because in the IFB, there was just such a, what I grew up in, there was just such a, a lack of love and compassion. And it's just, it makes me so happy when I actually do see Christians who are spreading so much love and so much kindness. So I want to thank you again so much for coming on this podcast yeah. and sharing your story and your journey and how you're continuing to help people. Um, but before, before we end this episode, is there anything else you would like to say? Thank <laughs> you.
Um, well, first of all, thank you to you for having me mm-hmm. on here. Oh, yes. And I genuinely just want to thank everyone listening. Like like you mentioned, you know, there are many listeners that mm-hmm. that, that don't believe what I believe, but mm-hmm. I, I'm just so honored you want to listen to me talk. <laughs> you know, <laughs> thank you. You know, yeah. you, you didn't mm-hmm. have to, um, but mm-hmm. you made space for me. And even if yeah. you could, I understand. And mm-hmm. I don't know, I'm just so grateful to be invited into the space and mm. be able to share my story so mm. thank you so much oh yes of course yeah. yes and, and then again for anyone listening like, i think it is important to have these conversations yeah. um with people who are safe and i know i knew you were a safe person before i let you on because i'm like I, i'm always very careful i'm like oh. there are some people i'm like <laughs> i do my research <laughs> i'm like I just want to make sure because like i also don't want to make assumptions about people mm-hmm. um either and like it's, it's right. easy to when you come out of that environment to just see all christians have just ifb which is not mm-hmm. it's yeah. been interesting to meet different christians and see the different flavors i guess you would say mm-hmm. of christianity and even learn from that and like and you know i guess i'm just gonna make it clear like you know i don't identify as a christian anymore at all and i've made that public and that was a big reason to why i was kicked out of bob jones mm-hmm. um but to me as i've told people people automatically assumed that i don't follow the teachings of jesus whatsoever and i was like no i'm like i you know i guess interesting to say this i love jesus teachings and what he did i'm like i left that because they weren't doing what jesus was doing at all the irony. <laughs> i'm like it's so to me it's like you know, to me, it's interesting that, you know, Gen Z is really, t- I consider myself spiritual, but not religious. Okay. Yeah. I take a lot from different spiritualities and I see the examples and like, you know, it's interesting as I've left, I'm like, and I, and I always try to make this clear to people not to equate myself with Jesus or whatsoever mm-hmm. at all. But it's just, I noticed once I left the similarities of like how he was against that oppressive legalistic religion and how I see, you know, that's what I'm doing, like really what you're doing and a lot of other people mm-hmm. are doing in a deconstruction space and just the irony of how a lot of these strict places <laughs> um, don't see that. Um, but, um, but to me, it's like, to me removing that label of christian mm-hmm. it was like the weight that came with that mm-hmm. <laughs> was lit that was like from all the ifb mm-hmm. stuff and like i even talked to my therapist i'm like i'm like you know my parents they don't understand what i mean when i say this like i'm still trying to have a balanced life but i'm like you know i'm still growing i'm still changing i feel like my spirituality and beliefs will always be changing honestly mm-hmm. As I, and you know and like i love talking with different people, different beliefs, mm-hmm. um, and talking about mysticism and even sometimes Satanism, which is interesting. Yeah. You know, like, it's really interesting. Like, it's not what most people think it is, which is, right. it's been interesting to remove that stigma, <sighs> but sorry, again, as I go on another tangent. No, you're fine. I, I appreciate <laughs> you sharing that. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. But I guess, you know, always, always the last thing I'll say is I want to emphasize on this show is like, I love diverse viewpoints and having people on who we can just sit and have these difficult conversations and just be just see the humanity in one another and be vulnerable and not worry about dogma or doing this or that and just realizing seeing all what we have in common and i think we really need that in the world in today's world yes oh, so much um 
But thank you again so much, Islami, for going on, um, for what you're doing and what an inspiration you are to so many people speaking up about your story with just love and light. Um, thank you, everyone, for listening. This was Speaking Up with Andrew Pledger. Thank you for listening to Speaking Up with Andrew Pledger. Your support is much appreciated. Please leave a review and share with friends and family. And if you can, please support me on Patreon. And the link is in my description. Thank you so much for listening to Speaking Up with Andrew Pledger.